0: Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you that you're God and you are alive and you are active, that your word is alive and is active. And I pray right now, Lord God, that your word would be alive and active in and through us for a reason, for a purpose, for a calling. And I pray, Lord God, that you would open our ears and open our eyes and open our heart to what you would have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, anyone feel like they should come and read the Bible reading? I've got a Bible all ready to go. Thank you very much, Joel. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 to 13. The word of the Lord. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Thank you very much. All right, so I've got my Bible open. I've got some notes. But I just want to start with a little bit of a story and a little bit of a show and tell. Um, Anyone remember what this is? Yep, anyone got one of those? Have you still got it? You still got yours? You got yours, Nat? I think last time I did this, someone brought in one and it was like 50 years old. This was given to Donald G. Johnson at Mount Cravat High in 1976. I don't know what month. i still got it. Still sitting there. This one. Anyone seen a little Bible like that one? A little white one? Yep. You've got one of those? My dad gave this to my mum to my dearest Marjorie, with love, everlasting love, and God's blessing, with all my love, Doug. And a Bible reading, St. John chapter 4, verses 7 to 11, on the 25th of December 1962, which was before I was born. Um, and uh, in it, it has when they were married and who married them, all signed and sealed and delivered. It has a whole bunch of births. So, for example, Donald George Johnson was born. On the 30th of the 12th, 1963, he, he weighed five pound 14 at 4.45 a.m. Apparently, I wanted to be there for New Year's Eve. But. So that's a, another little Bible. Now, I want to tell you a story about my third Bible. You've heard about my first Bible, and, and please forgive me for the way I treated that Bible. Um, the second Bible was a good news. Man, I love that good news. I read it to death. I coloured it in. I added more stickers to it. Um, it was just fantastic. I know some of my more superior followers of Jesus' mates would, would look down their nose at me and go, good news, Bible. <laughs> That's not a real Bible. That's not been translated properly. But i tell you what, God spoke to me through that Bible so much. It was so good, so good. I, uh, in, when I was 20 years old, I felt God called me to go to Tasmania to work in Christian radio station And so because I was becoming mature and um, going to become a missionary, um, uh, moved to a far off country called Tasmania, um, I felt that I should grow up and, and no longer have a good news Bible but to have a great study Bible. And so I, a couple of my mates had told me about a Ryrie study Bible. Anyone heard of a Ryrie study Bible? And they said, you should get that Bible. That will be great for your walk with Jesus. And, and prefer, preferably, if you're going to study it properly, get the New American Standard Bible. It's hard to read, but it's most literal in its translation. Is that about right, boys? Yeah. Yep, there you go. And so I, I, I listened to these wise men and, and women, and I went to Kurong, And I I found a a Ryrie study Bible, New American Standard, and and I went to buy it and I turned it over to look at the price and it was $85. I was 20. As a telecom tech, I only earned $160 for the week and there was $25 in rent and $2 in fuel. (laughs) Amen, bring back those days. But I couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford it. So I went to Tasmania with my Good News Bible, carried it all the way down there with me. And for six months, I read that Bible and, and saw God do amazing things. One day, I was at work in, in the radio station and in the production room and uh, doing some work. And uh, the station manager comes running in and he says, Anyone here? Anyone got a Good News Bible? Anyone got a Good News Bible? And, and and, and I'm sitting there going I I, I have a good news Bible and he goes excellent, excellent a young guy just walked in off the street I've led him to Jesus and we don't have any good news Bibles I want to give him a Bible so can I have your Bible and can I give him your good news Bible sure (laughs) yes he took the Bible great big smile on his face and he bolted out of the room and my Bible was gone I felt empty. I went back to work and about an hour later a guy I'd never met before and never met since walked into the back room. The pr- production manager was there and I was there and he said I'm looking for Donald Johnson. Whew. Everyone calls me Donnie one end. Yes, I'm Donald Johnson. And he goes, do you know that today on the prayer list for the radio station is the day we pray for you? No. I'm very good on the prayer list. (laughs) I should have known that. No, I didn't know that. And he said, well, I've been praying for you today. I went, oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. And he said, and I felt God tell me to come and do this. And from behind his back, he had a Ryrie study Bible. It was second-hand. It had a great big sticker on it. It had been used, and it had coloured-in bits in it. I added a lot more stickers to it. I did a lot more colouring in. And when I finally went to Bible college, I took this Bible to Bible college and felt very mature as a Bible college student with my Ryrie New American Standard Bible. A week later, I was feeling low. I was feeling cold. It was July in Tasmania. I'd gone to church that morning. It was a Sunday. I was living in West Hobart, just about to start an amazing adventure. I didn't know that at that time. But I was alone, cold, a long way from home. And, and, And I had a pity party. And I went out and sat in the sunroom of my house in West Hobart, which looked over Hobart and the Derwent River, but also had the cold breeze flow up the Derwent River from a little place south, full of snow and ice, which is the only place south of Tasmania. And um, and I prayed. Sorry, I confess, I whinged. I whinged to God. And I said, it's not fair. I've been faithful. I've come down here. I've left my family. I quit. Well, I tried to quit my job. I, I'm down here. I'm living for you and, and I feel so beat up, disappointed, not seeing a lot of fruit. They won't let me play rock and roll on the radio station. It has to be contemporary Christian music what am I doing here, God? This is not fun. And at that time, like God does with me, I don't know if he does it with you, but every now and then, often actually, he drops a verse into my heart or my spirit. And at this time, he dropped into me Isaiah chapter 41, verses 9 to 10. Isaiah 41, 9 to 10. Now, at that stage, I wasn't as smart as Brendan was last week and I didn't realise that the book of Isaiah was in two parts. Uh, when I got to Bible college, I learned that there was GTO Isaiah and TRETO Isaiah, and my Bible college lecturer, Professor Anderson, said there was one Isaiah, and so I was confused. But at this time, I wasn't confused because it was just the book of Isaiah, and I just thought it was one Isaiah. So away we went. I opened up this book, this book, this very Bible, to that passage. And someone else had already highlighted this verse in. So that got my attention. But they'd made a mistake. They'd highlighted two last words from the verse 8. So if you've got your Bibles there, Isaiah chapter 41, verse (laughs) 8c through to 9 and 10. In the New American Standard Bible, it says, My friend i tell you what, that got my attention. Here was God, the almighty God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of all the universe, saying to little Donnie Johnson, down in a little place called Hobart, in a place, Tasmania, in Australia, my friend. He says this, to whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, from the ends of the earth. If you've travelled this amazing world, Australia is the ends of the earth. It's like a long way away. It's a long way away. And then it says, and then I've called you to its remotest parts. As I said, there's not much further south from Hobart, Tasmania. It's, it's, a, it's a long way down. In fact, I went to the end of the highway. Remember that old song? I went to the end of the highway, and there's a big sign there that says, You have come to the end of the highway, and it's a dead end. I did that because a guy turned up at our church, and, and he went to the end of the highway and it stopped, there was no more road south, it was just wilderness, this was in 1985, and, and he sat down and he pulled out his Gideon's Bible that he'd never read but had in his backpack and he read it and met Jesus at the end of the highway at the end of Tasmania. Here I am, remote parts, and said to you, you are my servant, I have chosen you and not rejected you. Was I starting to feel good at that time? Yeah, I was being pumped up. I was being exalted by God and and just made yes. And then he says, verse 10, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be anxious or look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Man, when I finished reading that, I felt amazed. How did God do that? How did he grab hold of me at that time? How did he? Now, let me just go back for a bit. Some of you will be sitting there going, that's not your way you read your Bible, Donnie. Correct exegesis is this is a story. This is a prophetic word. This is something that actually happened. And that's tricked. This is something that actually happened. This was uh, Isaiah bringing a word to the people of Israel. And if you go into its complete context, this is to the people of Israel. If you go back into verse 8, it says, But you, Israel, my servant servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, descendant of Abraham, Abraham was called a friend of God. And so that makes sense. So this is all to the people of Israel, 100%. And it's, oh, comfort, comfort all my people. And it's a message for us in that sense, comfort, comfort all my people. But then you go into the commentaries, They say, yes, it's this, part one, but it also refers to Jesus, part two, the coming servant, the servant who's coming goes to the cross for you and for me so that you and I can say, my friend, my comforter, my strength, my upholder, whom I have no fear and I do not be anxious because of Jesus. And then, part three, it spoke personally to me. Now, now, Juan Carlos Ortez woke up one morning and he felt God say to him, don't take the car to work, walk. And on the way to work, he worked to the church, he was a pastor, on the way to church, he met five or six people from the church, he got to pray with them, it was fantastic. By the time he got to church, it took him an extra half an hour, by the time he got there, He'd felt he'd he'd done a whole bunch of ministry that he normally wouldn't have done if he had to drive because he would have drove right past these people and he wouldn't have got to meet them and pray with them and and it was just amazing. And so he's sitting down there and he's going, oh God, that was so good. That was so good. Tomorrow morning when I get up, I'm not driving, I'm going to walk again. And so he got up the next morning and he walked to work. Guess what happened? He bumped into Nobody. It was hot and then it rained and he got to work wet and he sat there and went, hmm, good one, God. And then he felt God say to him, I didn't tell you to walk to work today. I told you to walk to work yesterday. Sometimes when we hear something from God, we make it a rule or a law for our lives, which is not good. It's for a time and a purpose. And then there's other times... If if we have authority, we only don't make it a rule for our lives, we make it a rule for other people's lives. So could you imagine if Juan Carlos Ortez got up in the pulpit that Sunday and said, this week God told me not to drive the car, he told me to walk, and this is what happened, so this week everybody, everybody, don't drive, walk to work. Uh, Pastor, I I work an hour away. Doesn't matter. Walk. Thus saith your Pastor. That, that's not what it was about. It was something specific to Juan Carlos at that time. And this was something specific to me. But I'll tell you what, every Bible I've ever got since then, the first verse that I highlight, I'm still doing it, I haven't grown up. first verse I highlight is Isaiah chapter 41. It's so special to me. It's so important. And it's something that is alive and active. And this week, as I've sat on it for a week, just two and a bit verses... I feel inspired and empowered. Let me just go through it with you. My friend, the Hebrew word is affection and love. Just, I want you to know that today. I want you to know that you, you can be God's friend, loved and in affection. Then it doesn't matter where you are at the ends of the earth, or the ends, the Hebrew word is corner. It doesn't matter what corner of the globe you're on. There's a good one from Mass Teacher. Doesn't matter what corner, God can be there and will be there and wants to be there with you at that time. And that each and every one of us are called and chosen to be His servants. There's a couple of commands in this, and it says, No fear. That in the tense in the Hebrew is a command. It's not a, Yeah, if you want, don't be fearful. No, it's a, Do not fear. Fear is not good for us as people. And it says, do not be anxious. That's a command as well. And he also says, you are not rejected. You are not rejected. And he backs it up by saying, I am with you. And then he says, I am your God and I will strengthen you. Surely I will uphold you. Now I looked into this word uphold because it seems to be a little bit of an old word. And in the Hebrew, guess what it means? To hold up. (laughs) To lift. To be empowered. Do you want to be held up by God? Held in his hand. And then the righteousness in his mighty right hand. The righteous right hand. Now for all the left-handed people, my apologies, but uh, this understanding was the right hand, it was the strongest hand, the right hand of the Father, the right hand, um, left handed people weren't thought of much in those days, so it's right hand that's, sorry, I apologise four facts I want to leave with you, God is with us, is that a fact? God is with us, he says I am with you to the ends of the age, I will never leave you nor forsake you number two God has established a relationship. He's the one that came and died on the cross. He's the one that opened up the doors. He's the one that's done everything to put us there. And He says, I am your God. Number three, God gives us reassurances through his strength, through his help and through his victory. And number four, he does not want us to have fear, anxiety, for he wants to uphold us in everything that we do. Because this was about Hebrews chapter 4, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. If you can go online, and just put a beautiful picture of a double-edged sword. I tried to buy a double-edged sword this week. So I could have one here to show you a double-edged sword. Plus, I like swords and it'd be good reason to buy one. <laughs> okay. And I couldn't find one on the coast. I had to join a club to become a sword-wielding person and I didn't have the time. But there's a beautiful picture on the E! News and on the webpage that you can see about a double-edged sword. And if you could picture God's word as a double-edged sword, something that is alive and powerful and wants to impact our lives, and that our God is alive and powerful and active. He's not sitting back going, oh man, when's COVID going to be over I can get back to work? No. Nah. He is alive and active here and now. Uh, when Nat asked me how many Bibles I have, I, I have many Bibles. Um, this one's my current Bible that I'm reading at the moment. And... Um, I've got a whole shelf of different Bibles. So when I was reading this passage, I went and opened up a whole bunch of different Bibles and read the notes. I got an old Dakes Bible, a leadership Bible I was given in 2004. And I read the notes on this passage in the leadership Bible. And this leadership Bible said that in this passage, this Hebrew, uh, Hebrews, uh, Isaiah chapter 41, verses 9 and 10, it uh, gives us the choice of what we want to align ourselves with, what we want to align ourselves with. And I went, okay, let's delve into that. And so as I bring this to an end, my challenge is, what is it that you want to align yourself with? Do you want to align yourself with a God who says, my friend? Do you want to align yourself with a God who says, no matter where you are, I am with you? Do you want to align yourself with a God that says, do not fear, or do you want to fear, your choice? Do you want to align ourselves with a God that says, do not be anxious, or do you want to be anxious, your choice? It's about who we align ourselves with. Do we want to realize and understand that we have a God that wants to uphold us in his righteous right hand? Uphold us. Align ourselves with that truth. And live within that incredible revelation. Align ourselves with God's truth, God's Word. It is living, it is active, it is amazing. Can I encourage you to get into God's Word? If you don't have a good Bible, I've got plenty, I'll give them away. They're just sitting on a shelf.